You are listening to the Phenom College Basketball Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom Podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Hey guys, welcome. This is the first episode of the Phenom College Basketball Show. My name is Kellen Ratterman and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. My name is Dean Wendell, and I'm from Buffalo, New York. All right, first we wanted to address the situation with the Florida forward, Keontae Johnson, as on Saturday he, after a timeout, collapsed on the floor and was taken to the hospital and was in a coma for a while. And we, we just got recent news that he is now stable and breathing on his own, which is good to hear. Yeah, I think, I think he uh... – he FaceTime with his team yesterday, a couple of days ago. So it's it's good to see him back, and you know, hopefully he can recover from the scary scene a couple of days ago. Yeah, and moving on, we just wanted to recap some of the recent games. So we've had a few pretty big games this last week. Um, I think a big yeah. surprise has been Kentucky's four losses. They've have some big struggles that we're going to talk about. Yeah, so they, you know, they haven't been definitely not the Kentucky we're used to seeing, you know, with, uh, you know, Coach Kelly and is, you know, usually is recruiting well, but groups aren't getting it done for him. I think they got more negative turnover to assist ratio and lost to Richmond start of the year and looked awful in the first half of – they played Notre Dame on Saturday, I believe. And I mean, they, they showed some fight in the second half, you know, came back, but still lost by one. Not the, not the performance you expect from Cal's guys. Yeah, it's hard for it's another question that it asks is that it begs a question of uh, how reliable are these one and done programs as we kind of see a similar problem with Duke. They're not having as many struggles as, Kentucky right now, but they, I'm pretty sure they have a 500 record right now. I think they're two and two and Kentucky's one and four, which is, I mean, the worst start for Kentucky that I can remember in recent years. And um, Duke's got a pretty good, pretty big game tonight versus Notre Dame. So we should see how they do. One of the games I wanted to talk about from on Monday was the Rutgers in Maryland where Rutgers won by, I think it was around 15 and they had uh, Ron Harper Jr. had a big game. He almost ha- he had about 30 points. And this was a big game for Rutgers since the Big Ten is – it's a real competitive division, and they got very – some good top-tier teams like Michigan State, 
Illinois, Wisconsin, and Rutgers is trying to prove that they can contend with these big dog teams. So I thought that was a good showing from Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a big dominated conference. Of course, everybody's looking up to Luca, Luca Garza, but then you got you know what Coburn from Illinois and Oturu from Minnesota. Or no, I was in the yeah, I was in the Big Ten. I'm confusing for a second, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big dominated conference, and you know, hopefully, you know, yeah, I, I could see Big Ten, and you know, you can get Rutgers. They could get Illinois. They can get like eight to ten teams, just like last year into the tournament, like you said, if we have it. Yeah, another – I think the Big Ten, I would say they had pretty high expectations, especially with Luca Garza returning. He's obviously the favorite for the Wooden Award, but I think they have some real other threats. Even besides their top, I would say, four teams with Michigan State, um, Ohio State, and Rutgers, um, and then Wisconsin. I think some other teams that could be a threat are maybe – Indiana, potentially Michigan, and then maybe Purdue since they have, I believe they're playing Ohio State right now and it's either halftime or just coming out of halftime and they're they're staying with Ohio State even although Ohio State's missing their star forward EJ Liddell, uh, the Purdue's got some pretty big guys. They have 7-4 center and Ohio State's biggest guy is maybe 6-7, six, 6-8. Six, Throw down low in this. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it'll go off. Yeah. yeah. Purdue should should be able to dominate somewhat in the paint. They always have some bigger guys and Yeah. They're trying against Ohio State. Though. Although Harms is in BYU now, but they've always, yeah. Swanigan. Yeah. West Virginia is also looking pretty good for the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah big one over Richmond. Yeah. I mean, I mean, looks. I mean, you know, they, they beat Kentucky. That's not a that's not a quality win now, but they look just as good as you know any team bar like the top five, ten. They look just as good as anybody. And you know, back Gilliard, I think, and he's their main guy. And if only you know, if only we had. You know, this is not a normal year, but if only we had a normal year, they could probably get some more non-conference games and a couple more good ones. Although the eight ten is not. Not, not a joke of the conference either, but I think yeah, the Dayton last year was a dominant force in the A10. They had Obi Toppin, even some other guys like Jalen Crutcher who returned for his senior season this year. I don't obviously they're not going to be anywhere near they, how they were last year, but I I still think Richmond should come out on top of the A10. But yeah, I remember St. Louis. I think Rhode Island should be a contender too. Yeah, Rhode Island, and then. Yeah, the, those should be the main guys. And yeah, that'll be a that'll be a good uh, division to see who comes out on top because they'll have at least they'll have two or three teams come into the uh, into March Madness. Yeah, it always is. It always is that right? Them and the American probably the Americans will step up, but them too. Also, the ACC. I mean, honestly, I don't know if Duke's the top team right now. I think it might be Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this just this – I mean, last year was a weird year, but, I mean, this year with COVID and everything, but the Blue Bloods seem to have fallen off a little bit, and we're seeing, you know, I think Hamilton's doing a really good job with Florida State. And yeah, I agree. You know, Virginia, you're always going to have, you know, Bennett in their offense. 
always going to have some good guys. So, yeah. I watched the Indiana FSU game last week, and Indiana took them into overtime. But even against Florida the other the other day on Saturday, I mean, Scotty Barnes looked great, and Florida State just played it played a team. They definitely played better against Florida than Indiana, but I still think they played really well, and they have some chemistry going for them. Yeah, that that was a game with the with the poster, right? By what MJ MJ? Walker. Yeah, I think so. I didn't see it live, but I saw the highlight. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty nasty. So, uh, all right. And so with tonight's game right now with um, Ohio State and Purdue, uh, there is about 16 minutes left, and Purdue's actually got an eight-point lead right now. Oh, wow. So I just want to know, what do you think? Do you think Purdue's going to come on top? Do you think Ohio State? What are your – I don't know. I mean, I'm be honest. I, I haven't seen much of either team, but I do know, you know, Ohio State's got some guys. I got it. I got it on my phone right here. And uh, I think, I think if, if Purdue, like you said, they got that seven four guy. If they if they can feed it to him consistently, and what you said, Ohio State's top guys like six six, six seven. Yeah, he's not be, that big at all. They should be able to hold on. I think, you know, they they got some shooters too. So. I think Purdue should be able to hold on. That just shows how balanced the Big Ten is in this year. Anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, Purdue's a pretty inconsistent team, but yeah, I think they definitely have the the size on their side. And Ohio State's missing their top guy right now. I've, EJ Liddell is came down with COVID, but there's still plenty of time left, and they're up by eight. But I, I don't know. I think that'll be a close one with Ohio State's best player out. But they they definitely need to hit more shots than they did the other day to make sure they can get that win. Also tonight, there's a – right now, Butler and Villanova. Villanova's number seven. There you have a four-point lead, and there's about the same amount of time left, 15 minutes. I think Villanova's been playing all right. I don't think they've been playing up to their expectations, which is like a top-five team. They have their senior point guard. I can't think of his name. Gillespie? Yeah, I think that – yeah. Yeah, I think Gillespie. Yeah, and I think it's also fun to point out uh, Villanova still has Brian Antoine. I think Brian Antoine was a top 15 high school player, and he's been out. So I feel like um, Villanova's guards is really their weakest part. They have a strong – their three, fours, and fives are always really strong. But right now, you know, Villanova's weakest game, they really only have Gillespie at the one and two. And I think Antoine coming back gives them a lot of athleticism. Maybe not necessarily a lot of shooting, but he definitely can defend all the um, one through three. Um, and there's a solid pass to the ball. So I think that'll definitely help Nova. And as they get to know each other more, you know, become more of a team, like all these college teams, they're just so young. I feel like, you know, a team like Villanova is going to be strong in March because unlike the Kentuckys and the Dukes of the world, like we mentioned in the beginning, they have the experience to win in March. So I feel like Villanova will, will show that they're a top five team, maybe not as strong as an Iowa or a Baylor, but I think by, by the time March comes, Villanova will be certainly in the national title conversation. Yeah. And then our argument. Yeah, then Robinson Earl too is the uh, him having him. He's what they're saying first round pick in the draft. I mean, college doesn't always translate to the NBA, but as I watched a little bit of the game against I think Arizona State and Connecticut, and he seemed to be like like the X factor. Like if he does well, Nova does well. And yeah, but as long as they're on top of their game, I, I agree. I could definitely see him moving far. Although these teams, I think there's a bunch of good teams like in the top 10. I still don't, I think Gonzaga is an easy favorite. I just, I think the way they play, their coaching, I just, 
I think they're going to be hard to beat, especially with Jalen Suggs if he's healthy while playing. They just they just look like a perfect college basketball team to me. Right now, we can kind of see it. I think Baylor, Iowa, and um, Gonzaga are just so much farther ahead between teams four through however many Division One college basketball programs there are. They're just so much farther ahead. I think right now, you know, unless some teams catching up, I don't. I think it's hard unless there's some major upset in March. I feel like it would be really hard to believe that those three, at least two of those three teams, aren't in the Final Four right now. Because like, Iowa with their shooting and obviously guards in there, I don't think there's anyone that can be Iowa. Gonzaga, they have awesome bigs. They have the talent of Suggs, who's going to mature throughout the season and only get better. And then Baylor's just they've had, they've been good for I think what the past three years now with all their talent, and they're they're just older and they don't lose anyone to the draft and they play balls to the wall every game. So I think Baylor's going to be a tough out in the Big Twelve too. So all those three teams are just steps, smile, heads and shoulders with the rest, and everyone's got to catch up and figure their stuff out to beat them. Yeah, especially I Baylor's been a. I think Baylor's less uh, talked about than all those teams. They got Jared Butler. He's a really good forward. Um, I think he'll have a lot of – I think he'll he'll be one player that right now I can say could translate to the NBA. He has a lot of potential. I mean, obviously Iowa with Luka Garza. And then, like you said, the shooting guards. That's the hardest part about Iowa is that they got all those shooters on the outside, but then they just put it right down to Luka, and he he's just almost impossible to stop in the paint. I mean, I guess the one thing with Iowa would be the defensive troubles because Garza is obviously big, but one of his biggest problems is um, he can't really defend anyone with the size, and that's kind of his problem. And, you know, their guards are good, they're athletic, but they're just not, you know, you could you could catch them. You know, North Carolina did it for a bit in the, when they played them when, um, during that game. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Iowa just shot the lights out against North Carolina. But a night where you can catch Iowa when they're not shooting lights out, maybe Garza isn't having the greatest game, you know, you can definitely beat Iowa. So, But that's one flaw. But I don't really see any flaws like that whether Gonzaga or Baylor. Yeah, and it's really a shame that, you know, COVID canceled Gonzaga-Baylor because that was going to be you know, definitely game of the year. Maybe yeah, the that's definitely the early game of the year, better than any a Champions Classic game, yeah. which I thought the Champions Classic game, especially between Kansas and Kentucky, was definitely a little disappointed. That was a really sloppy game. I mean, obviously, that was before Kentucky lost to Richmond. And yeah. Other games. That's what you're saying. Seems like just like the power shift in college basketball we're seeing. Like you go back five years and Baylor wasn't, you know, probably I think middle of the pack, Big Twelve, and I mean Gonzaga. Yeah, had that was one good year. I remember when they well, they were like a four seed and they lost to Yale with Terry on Prince. But I mean, yeah, oh, Baylor's yeah. never been in the conversation as a power, like a top team. And I think you just see that the schools that have it's a hit or miss with these top high school recruits. You can have the years like Ducat with Zion and RJ Barrett where you're the favorite to win the tournament. And you can have years like this where, yeah, you got a couple of top 10 guys, you know, you got Jalen Johnson, who's obviously an awesome player. I think he's hurt, but you have all these awesome guys, but they're just too young and they're not as good as a Zion and RJ. And then you run into these problems. Which yeah. They got this the liability with the one and done schools. Cause it's, they're all relying on these young freshmen to come in and bring all the talent and perform well. And then also with Kentucky, I mean, Talents Clark still should be a senior in high school. I think he'd be class. I mean, they're so young. I mean, Talents Clark's going to be a top 15 pick, but he's just going to need a couple of months at Kentucky to mature. And then I think come SEC tournament time, he's there. Kentucky will be a team to be reckoned with. I have no doubt that Cal Perry will get his guys to play. But, yeah. So, Ryan, uh, Dean and I were talking about our uh, picks for the Duke and – or, no, I don't think we discussed the Duke and Notre Dame game yet. So, what, do you, what are your guys' uh, – picks for that game tonight because Notre Dame came off a, a big yeah. win uh, I would say they thought it was a big win against Kentucky but it turned out to be an okay win and then they played Ohio State and they they, they fought but they 
they lost to Ohio State. So how do you guys think this game will turn yeah, out? I mean, I think for me, I mean, at least I think Notre Dame's a strong team this year. I mean, Notre Dame's not really a basketball school. I don't think when everyone thinks basketball, maybe Bill and Beer they've had. But I mean, other than that, Notre Dame really hasn't been stronger than that one wrong in 2014. But I think this year, Notre Dame, especially in a strong, I think should be strong ACC, will definitely be fighting in March. And I think tonight they're going to give Duke a run for the money. Duke, I'm sure Mike Krzyzewski's, you know, been running them hard in practice and stuff, and they're going to be ready to play. They haven't played in a long time. I think it's takes time played since Illinois. So they're going to be ready to play. But I, just, I think Notre Dame's going to take this one. You know, I think it's going to be close down the wire. I think, you know, it's just going to come down to who can make the shots in the last 10 minutes of the game because, you know, if one team shoots the lights out, then it's game over. But, you know, as it, that's kind of just the way college rolls. But I see Notre Dame winning this game. I just feel like Duke just doesn't have it this year. You know, they had another injury. And, um, you know, I feel like after they're not playing for a week, you know, they're not really psyched up. Notre Dame thinks they can beat Duke after they beat Kentucky. We're going to take two blue, blue buds out in one week. So I feel like, Notre Dame's going to have this one by probably my point five or six points, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I, I watched you know Notre Dame Kentucky, and you know while they were super strong in the first half, I think they're definitely a turnover problem in the second half, and you know that's they look sloppy and they don't really look great. I think I, Notre Dame is. I mean, they're at home. I'm pretty sure, but. Not sure what the capacity is. I think if maybe it's a if it's a packed house at you know Purcell Pavilion, then I could see Notre Dame taking it. But I just think I think Coach K is going to be on them after you know they lost to Illinois. They haven't been looking like the Duke we're used to. I feel like I, know, I feel like Duke will take it by a basket or two. That's my opinion. I don't think Notre Dame cares too much about COVID restrictions after the Clemson game. They might have a they might have a couple extra kids in there. But I think yeah. it's um, winter break anyway, so I don't know. I don't know if there'll be even be any students there. But I, I think mean, I agree yeah. with you, Ryan. I I think that Notre Dame, uh, especially with Duke's not having Jalen, they don't have Jalen Johnson tonight. So I think Notre Dame with their guard, I think his name's Wirtz. He's, I mean, I've watched a little bit of him and he's pretty good. And so I think if Notre Dame's playing how they did against Kentucky, and they even look good against Kentucky, although it wasn't a, as great of a win, I still think Notre Dame can pull out the win tonight. Yeah, I mean, although Kentucky isn't strong, it's still beating Kentucky. Kentucky's, you know, one of the more storied basketball programs out there. You know, Kentucky's going to be an NCAA tournament. I mean, there's no way they don't make it unless yeah. something catastrophic happens. What about Illinois? I have some mixed opinions about Illinois because they played pretty well in the in their first few games, but then that upset a few nights ago against Missouri. I, I actually was – I wasn't doing a real money betting, but I was using some fake money in betting, and I, I saw the – the minus three with Illinois, and I was like, "That's that's easy." And then they they blew it and they lost, yeah. and I was surprised. I, mean, I watched the Duke game. I watched a bit of the game against Missouri. I think Illinois is going to be really good. I mean, they still have there's still some relatively young. And I really like Andre Cabello from Long Island. Um, he's a freshman. You know, he might not be, you know, a shiny five star recruit, but he's certainly. I think he was up there in the rankings, top thirty. Um, I think he's going to be good. Obviously, Cockburn. I think it's Tedeschvili. He's they have really good bigs with between Co- Coburn and uh, Tedeschvili. So I think their size and the fact that they have this guard play. Um, who's the guard? He's one of the best. Players. I think he's averaging like twenty nine points in the country. Um, Au Moyu. I mean, he's one of the best players in the country. So I think Illinois is going to be in the top ten throughout the season. You know, I think Missouri. Let's not discount Missouri. I think Missouri is a strong program this year. You know, they're going to be fighting for the SEC. Obviously, in a somewhat down year for Kentucky. You know, Missouri is going to be in it. I think. Missouri's all the way up to 16 in the country now. You know, they have Missouri's got wins over Illinois. You know, Liberty's always strong. Wichita State's always strong. Oregon's strong. And they beat, I think, Oral Roberts. I just looked at the schedule. So, I mean, Missouri's a strong team. So, I think as much as Illinois should have won that game, I think it's also that Missouri, you know, strong too. So, 
I think come come NCAA tournament time, Illinois will definitely be a top four seed at the worst in the in the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, I you know Dasumbu and Coburn coming back. I mean, they're two of the top players, the you know premier players in the country. And I think yeah, yeah, they did lose Missouri, but you know, like like Ryan said, Missouri's Missouri's they're not really a joke of a team either. I mean, college basketball, you got you know 30, 35 games, unless you're like. But Indiana with Bob Knight 50 years ago, you're going to have a couple slip-ups. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't – I don't think people, the Illinois fans should worry too much. I, I, I think they'll still be fighting top 10. And then I think we see every season. Um, you know, the beginning of the season, it's all – weird upsets happen. Like Evansville beat Kentucky a couple of years ago. Kentucky was awesome that year. And, I mean, Evansville lost, like, 19 straight games. I think their coach – I think it was a former Celtics coach – got fired for some stupid reason, did something. Remember that Evansville game? Doing, and they lost, like, 19 straight games. But, I mean – in the beginning of the season, it's everyone's at level playing field. And I don't think you really start seeing who's good until you start winning games in January or February. Yeah, I think conference play. Yeah, for sure. Because I think a lot of teams are about to start the conference play. I know the Big Ten, uh, Indiana just finished their final game against, it was like North Alabama. Yeah, ACC. So I think we're going to start saying some better matchups and some, and we're going to start finding out which teams are for real and which teams are. Conference play is just a different, different, different beast than you know non-conference play. Because even non-conference play, I'm sure some coaches are experimenting with different lineups. Because obviously you want to win, but the top programs are like, look, do we really care about beating Missouri in in December when we want to, you know, beat um, Michigan State in February? So I think that's also mine. Because I think there were some questionable lineups there for Illinois. I think they probably were experimenting a little bit, but obviously you want to win every game. You know, it's a rivalry game, Minnesota and Illinois, like. I'm not really from there. I didn't really understand the geography. You don't really think Missouri and Illinois next to each other, but I think they have a big rivalry between the two, which was obviously one of the game, but yeah. Yeah. Since we've talked a lot about the Big Ten, uh, I just wanted to ask about some other teams that are in the top ten that aren't really being talked about are Kansas, Houston, and Tennessee. And I don't know much about Houston. I did see Tennessee got a huge win by – I think it was almost 50 or over 50 points of a night or two ago. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten the chance because I'm from, you know, obviously from Springfield, I've gotten the chance to see Houston bunch because, you know, right down the, right down the streets, the uh, Hartford civic center where UConn plays and UConn always got to play Houston. The thing with Houston is, you know, they're never going to have, it's Houston. They're never going to have a bunch of top, top recruits, but um, over recent years, they've been keep getting it better and better because they have, you know, these tough kids that can come in, they can shoot, they can play defense. They're not flashy, but they get the job done. I think we're seeing that finally be reflected with the strong senior class they have. I think they have Jalen, I think Jalen Crutcher's back. You know, he was one of the top players last year. You know, Houston, I think, you know, I'm not going to say they're going to run away with the American, but I think Houston's, you know, definitely going to be in the top 10 for the rest of the year because, I mean, the American, you know, UConn was supposed to be strong this year. You know, I don't want to be a homer UConn fan and talk about them too much here when we talk about Houston, but you know, Houston, I think, you know, in a weaker American, is definitely going to roll. And I think we could definitely see them, yeah, I don't know, about undefeated. Yeah, I haven't watched enough Houston to say anything yet. I actually haven't watched any game of Houston. I did catch a little bit of that Tennessee game, but it just seemed like they were dominating. as The other team wasn't – didn't even have a chance. But uh, – Didn't uh, – I think Houston beat Texas Tech, right? So, I mean, that's that that's a strong win they had to start the season already. As far as they beat Lamar, who obviously that's that's a walkover game. They beat Boise State by 10. They beat Texas Tech by 11. And they beat South Carolina by 10. And then they've had a bunch of games postponed due to COVID. But I think, you know, even with those two wins over two power five teams, they're going to be strong. You know, 
I don't know about South Carolina, but I know Texas Tech, you know, picked up Mac McClung and they have a strong, strong, strong returner. So I'm a pretty strong team last year. So that's a strong win early in the season. And I think it goes to show Houston's experience. They're not going to slip up like a Duke, a Kentucky, or an Illinois. And I think that's the difference. They're going to have, they have all these experiments of a couple of tournament teams and deep runs in the, in the conference tournament. Yeah. And there's always that, there's always that one mid-major. I mean, I guess Americans like kind of border in between mid and high major, but definitely seems like Houston it could be that team this year. Last year was Dayton and San Diego State, you know. This year it's Houston and we, we don't count Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I agree with that. And also I agree with you, Ryan. I think that like teams like Houston and all these other teams with a bunch of like seniors and experience are going to have a better chance right now than teams like Duke and Kentucky who are all one and done guys right now who are just fre- young freshman kids who are actually supposed to be in high school still who are coming into play and just just slipping up one early. You, one of you touched on this. Um, going to another team that's not really haven't talked about is kind of getting slept on. I just looking at their schedule. San Diego State, you know, they had a big win over UCLA to start the year. I think that was a ring, make rank matched up. And right now they just beat Arizona State. Arizona State obviously they've had a couple losses. I think they lost Arizona State, lost to um. They lost to Villanova, but Villanova's not that lost, so let's be real. And so that beating an Arizona State team with Josh Christopher, Josh Christopher is probably one of the best freshmen in the country, one of the more college-ready freshmen we've seen, shows that San Diego State could be back this year. They could. I don't think they're going to be as strong as they were last year, you know, where they probably were like until they lost, you know, their conference final to Utah State, which is a terrible loss. You know, I think we're talking about San Diego State being a top three seed last year, and they returned a decent amount, and I feel like, you know, maybe they're not a top three seed, but they're definitely – you know, they're not a, like a 12 seed. They're definitely, if they, you know, continue to play the counter plan, I feel like they could be like a six, seven seed, you know, one of the better mid-major teams out there. And it sucks. I mean, I feel for San Diego State and Dayton fans because that was going to be their, you know, they were finally going to have, you know, some glory in March Madness and COVID took it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. My, I have family who are Dayton fans and they're extremely disappointed to see because they've watched um, – Obi Toppin the year before when he was a freshman and he shoots he was like showing signs of potential and you could tell he was going to be good but no one expected that big of a jump from him and it was just I mean I watched a bunch of games and he was just like electrifying to watch he was so exciting and all his dunks he was so flashy yeah Dane was fun to watch I mean Dane's always been strong I feel like they're always you know in the conversation in the A-10 you know maybe they're not the A-10 is usually a one or two big league or yeah I think that's a fair point I think especially Jalen Crutcher, he's experienced. He's kind of like the order guy. He's a senior point guard. He should be able to lead the team to some wins. And we might see them in the tournament as a lower seed, but I wouldn't be, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the tournament this year. And finally, I wanted to talk, I wanted to mention the recent coach K and Alabama's coach, Nate Oates, kind of going back and forth about delaying the season and all that about COVID. But with this, I definitely have to side. This I can't side with Coach Cat in this. The fa- after you lose two conference games, now you just you decide that you don't want to play and you think it's unsafe. You know, I just think that's completely ridiculous. When Coach K, you know, if Duke had beat Michigan State, Duke Michigan beats Illinois. That comment isn't made. You know, should it could it have been made? You know, is he completely wrong for saying that? I don't know because I think the COVID situation is getting worse. A lot of games getting canceled, but he wasn't in the position to say that after losing. Say that before. Come on, Coach K. Like I think this was definitely an L for Coach K. And I think it was fair coach for, um, excuse me, I'm blanking on his name. Nate um, for, Yeah, for Nate Oates to call him out. I mean, that was completely called on. You know, Nate Oates probably, being the coach of Alabama, probably 
could maybe it would be better if it came from a cow party, but it definitely it definitely was a fair call out. I mean, I don't know what you guys say on that, but I definitely I'm definitely with NATO's on this. Yeah, so I definitely agree with you. I mean, being from Buffalo, I, I've you know followed Oates when he was at Buffalo when we had that you know that big team of CJ Massenburg that made it to a round of three two. But I mean, as a coach, you know, even back when he was here, he was he was never definitely he was definitely more one of the more aggressive coaches with his words, like never really afraid to speak his mind. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, him saying that, I mean, when probably you know a lot of coaches would not like even dare to touch Coach K, one of the college basketball is great but I think in this case yeah he's definitely in the right yeah I mean props to coach Oates for sticking up to him because I think coach K is a class act and I think coach K has done as said that you know I just think he probably misspoke you know probably shouldn't have said this but I, I props to Oates for sticking up because you know what regardless of who you are you stick up for what you believe in and I think Oates did a good job I think Oates is building a great program in Alabama another good game with Stanford who obviously is Zaire Williams but um you know they got JV on corner leaf from Villanova who's a solid player I think Alabama you know, maybe it's a borderline tournament team. They're going to have to prove a lot. You know, it's not like a lock. Like we say, Duke, oh, they're, they're going to figure out how to make the tournament. I think Alabama, you know, has a chance to definitely, you know, down the line, maybe make a run to the NCAA tournament. All right. Yeah. Anyone else? you guys have any final thoughts? Um, uh, no, no, not really. Just you know, getting off of them. We're most of us probably watching the Duke and Notre Dame. Yep. Yeah. Luckily, uh, I got a, we got a uh, snow day tomorrow, so we'll stay up late and my buddies come over and watch the game. So we got lucky. Lucked out. All right, guys. Well, thanks for watching. This has been the first episode of the Phenom, Phenom College Basketball Show, and we'll have one every Wednesday. So stick around to listen to more.